why you should stop asking your audience for so much. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 283. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning in-depth podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. Hey, International Podcast Day is this upcoming Friday, September 30th, and it's September 30th every year. So if you're listening to this after that, then definitely plan to celebrate International Podcast Day afterward. I'll tell you more about that later on in this episode. But have you realized how much you ask your audience or how much the podcasters you listen to or watch tend to ask their audience? I would say most of us are probably asking our audience for too much and asking too soon. And I want to share with you then why that could be hurting your podcast, but not only why it could be hurting your podcast, but how you can overcome it. Some things you can do, some practical tips and advice to overcome this so that you're not asking too much from your audience. We commonly refer to things that you ask your audience to do as calls to action, usually abbreviated CTA. So here's some examples of typical calls to action that you might have in a podcast. Subscribe to the podcast, send feedback, leave a rating and review, share the podcast, join an email list, visit the show notes, follow on social networks, buy from a sponsor or affiliate, donate to the podcast, and there are probably many others that could be unique to certain kinds of podcasts. None of these calls to action are bad in themselves. You have to really examine your overall strategy with calls to action, and it's not simply that you need to cut one out of what you're asking people to do, but be more strategic in how you do it. So here is why you should stop asking your audience for so much. And I have four reasons for you. If you'd like to follow along in the show notes for this episode, then go to theaudacitytopodcast.com slash stop asking. Number one, stop asking your audience for so much because people need good reasons to give. If I was a stranger to you, Would you give me money if I asked for it? Your first response is probably something like, it depends on how you ask, or it depends on why you need it. Both of these and many other responses ask a core question of me when I'm asking you for money. Your question is, why? The relevance of the answer to why is what could inspire someone toward or deter them from further action. Consider my example of asking you for money. How would your likelihood to give me money change based on any of the following reasons? What if I said, would you give me money? I want to buy a lottery ticket. What if I said, would you give me money? I'm suffering from a disease and I can't afford the treatment. Or would you give me money? My wallet is empty. Would you give me money? I have something you need or want. Would you give me money? I already gave you something valuable. Would you give me money? I can give it back to you and more back to you. Would you give me money? I can use it to help someone you care about. See, each of these are reasons, even the couple ridiculous ones I put in there are actual reasons, but how compelling they are to you depends on how well I make each reason relevant to you. 
to not only explain why, but to inspire you because of that why. For your podcast, answer that why question for each call to action. Why do you want someone to take that action? Why should they want to take that action? For example, why should someone send you feedback? Because you value their thoughts and you want to share their feedback and their thoughts in your podcast. Why should someone donate to your podcast? Because you provide an experience they appreciate or enjoy and their support enables you to continue your podcast and to do more with the podcast to give them even more support and enjoyment. Why should someone visit your show notes? Well, because you probably have more valuable information and resources that it will be easier for them to get from your show notes than trying to remember all kinds of stuff from your podcast. You're making it easier for them. Practice this with some of those other example calls to action, like why should someone subscribe to your podcast? Why should someone leave a rating and review? And by the way, with the ratings and reviews things, it's not because it helps you rank better in iTunes. I've done an episode previously about that, the audacity to podcast.com slash ratings and reviews. Practice with these calls to action and anything else that you ask your audience to do in your podcast. Think about why. Come up with a good and compelling reason for someone to do any of those calls to action and then share that reason with your audience. Don't simply ask them, hey, subscribe to the podcast at myawesomepodcast.com. Tell them why they should subscribe. Compel them to do so because of some benefit to them. What's in it for them? Why? They're the ones asking why, not you. It's not subscribe to the podcast so I can stay connected with you. Subscribe to the podcast so I can keep sending you each episode or or anything like that. It's subscribe to the podcast so that you receive something. That's number one. People need good reasons to give. Number two, you may not have given enough first. I often hear podcasters start their episodes with one or maybe even several calls to action. Visit our sponsor, subscribe to the show, leave us ratings and reviews, send us feedback, all right near the beginning of their show. And there could be many other calls to action in addition to that. Your calls to action may be very important for both you and your audience. And if you have someone sponsoring your podcast, of course, your calls to action are important to them. But putting this stuff first, which we call front loading, actually makes it less important to your audience. Yeah, I know that seems crazy and you might be thinking, wait a minute, it's, it's important. So I put it first and so it's important and, and my audience would know it's important. What happens is when you're putting it first, you are somewhat conditioning your audience to tune out for the first however many minutes it takes to get through all of that stuff. In fact, the easier you make it for your audience to skip all of that supposedly important stuff, the more likely they will skip all of that. That's why I really don't like what we typically call pre-roll ads, where you're starting off the show saying, this episode is brought to you by so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so and so for three minutes, and then all of these other calls to action before you actually get into the content. Now, I suggest you get into the content right away. The reason for this is the social psychology principle of reciprocity. Essentially, reciprocity is a feeling that you owe something to someone else because of what they've given you. Think about birthday or Christmas gifts, for example. Don't you often feel like you need to give someone else a gift because they gave one to you? 
That's reciprocity in action. Reciprocity comes into play in podcasting when you give your audience what they want and they feel compelled to express their appreciation or to reciprocate. Whether your calls to action are for sponsors, for feedback from your audience, for subscribing to your podcast, for writing reviews, or anything else, I suggest that you seek to give and give a lot before you ask to receive. Don't come fresh in their ears with the beginning of your podcast asking them for things. Come fresh giving things. Convince them with the value that you give and they will feel more compelled to give back to you. That sense of reciprocity will build and build as you continue giving to them before you ask to receive. Hardly anyone dislikes a genuine giver. But most people dislike those selfish takers. It's very easy to spot the selfish takers in networking groups. They're the people who come to your little circle of conversations and they pull out their business card and they give you their business card right away. Those are selfish takers. If you're one of them, then please stop giving your business card right away. Give value before you give your business card. Because giving your business card is basically asking for something in return. You're asking that other person to care about your business, to care about what you are, quote, selling, unquote. Whether you are actually selling something or you're giving away a podcast. Whenever you want to ask for something from your audience, ensure you have given them enough first. You build that sense of reciprocity. And then it can be very automatic for them to want to give back to you because they appreciate so much what you've given them. This is number two, you may not have given enough first. And number three, reason why you should stop asking your audience for so much, too many choices cause confusion. Alvin Toffler created the term overchoice, also known as choice overload, in his 1970 book, Future Shock. The idea of overchoice or choice overload is that people will have a harder time making a decision when faced with too many decisions. You've probably experienced this in your own life, grocery shopping, ordering from a restaurant menu, reading comparisons between products and such. I experience this. When I go to restaurants, I want to get something that is a unique experience to that restaurant, something I can't get when cooking food at home or when my wife cooks, something that's extravagant, exotic to some degree at whatever kind of restaurant I'm going to, whether it's a burger place or a fancy restaurant, anything like that. And if all of the menu items seem the same to me, I feel like eh, nothing really stands out. Nothing is jumping out and saying, yes, this is the one to get. They all look pretty much the same and I can't decide between them. A similar thing can happen when going in to get ice cream. You go to these places that have 200 flavors of ice cream or all of these possible varieties, and it can be confusing and be overwhelming to make a decision on, oh, which which one should I get? Which one should I get? It's so much harder than which seat should I take, sitting in the front seat or kicking in the back seat. What you need to do is make it easier for your audience by giving them fewer choices. I think choice overload is one of the reasons why so fewer people vote in the American primaries, choosing the candidate for a particular political party, and even why the presidential elections have generally so few political parties. It's really basically a two-party system 
because that's pretty much all that most people think about. Now, this election could be extremely different and future elections could be different as well. But think about this for your podcast. If you start asking people to subscribe and follow you on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, Snapchat, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and more, most people will be overwhelmed and probably not choose the one that's most important. The same thing can happen with URLs. If you start saying, oh, visit theaudacitypodcast.com slash iTunes and theaudacitypodcast.com slash Google Play and theaudacitypodcast.com slash YouTube and theaudacitypodcast.com slash Twitter, it's just uh, too much overwhelmed. Now, there are those times that one of those might stand out to your particular audience member, but it might not be the one that's most important to you. Now, this this choice overload does apply to both your podcast and your website. Think about it like this with your website. How many subscription buttons do you have on your site? Do you have all of those social networks all of the possible podcast apps and directories. Yes, I make a plugin called Subscribe and Follow. It's at subscribeandfollow.com. It's a premium plugin for WordPress, and it does allow you to add a bunch of these different buttons and icons for these different networks. It's very heavily podcaster-based, but it does also have other networks too. But please, for the love of the entire internet, do not use every single button on your site. Have fewer options, the most important ones. Also think about your social sharing buttons for each episode or each post on your website. How many do you have there? How many actually get used on a regular basis? How many banners and widgets do you have in your sidebar? How many choices are you presenting to your website visitor or to your podcast consumer each time that they consume your podcast or get connected with you in some way? Repeating the same few choices is All right. In fact, I would say it's good to repeat your choices, but offering too many choices is bad. That's where the overwhelm comes in. There are so many things you want your audience to do that if you were to ask them all of your audience, your audience would probably do none of them. So here are some ways that you can effectively reduce your calls to action and be more streamlined in how you approach your calls to action. Stop giving calls to action that no one ever does. Hey, follow me on Plurk. No one's going to do that. Is Plurk even around anymore? I don't know. You may not even know what Plurk is at this point, and that's fine. No one's going to do that. Don't promote those things that no one does, unless it's extremely important, and then you need to think differently about it. The other idea is narrow your calls to action to what's truly most important. Do you really need people to like your page on Facebook? Well, maybe you do. Maybe there's a particular reason for that. Like maybe you live stream to Facebook through your page. And so it's really important for you to pe- for people to like your page. Is it really important for you to have people following you on Twitter? Maybe, maybe not. This is really something for you to decide what is truly most important for people to do. And that's what you promote. Don't promote those things that aren't truly important. Also create or promote what we could call funnels on your website or autoresponders on your email list that disperse your calls to action. And I'll talk more about those funnels and some ideas with that in a moment. Something else you could do is rotate through calls to action across different episodes. 
So maybe for this episode, the main call to action is International Podcast Day. For next episode, the main call to action might be Podcaster Society. The next episode, the main call to action might be My Podcast Reviews. The next episode, the main call to action might be something completely different. I often reference the YouTube show, Retin Link's Good Mythical Morning, because they do this really well. Now, they do have a daily show. And this is easier to do when you publish more frequently, at least weekly. So that way you are more front of mind. But in the Retin Link Good Mythical Morning show, they have an episode out Monday through Friday. And each episode, they usually have a different call to action. One episode, it's buy something from their store. A different episode, it's follow them on Twitter. A different episode, it's follow them on Snapchat. They rotate through their calls to action. I suggest you try that with your podcast as well. Not every podcast episode has to promote every single call to action. Yes, you may have those people who come to your podcast episode and listen to only one episode, but if they listen to only one episode and leave, how likely would they have been to take action on your calls to action anyway? Most likely the people who would follow your calls to action are those people who consume more than one episode. So it's fine to spread your calls to action across multiple episodes and rotate through them. That way, each episode can focus primarily on a very small number of calls to action, maybe even only one call to action per episode if you can. Another idea is to adjust your language so that what you might think of as a call to action is no longer a request from your audience. For example, this is a request. Please subscribe to receive every episode automatically. See, I'm asking you to do something, and then you have the choice of doing it or not. But here's another way I could say that. Thanks for subscribing so you can receive every episode automatically. Now, I've still given you the reason. I've still explained the benefit in very few words. But now by saying thanks for doing this, I'm expressing gratefulness to the majority of my audience that has already taken that action. And for that small minority of the audience that hasn't taken action on that yet, it sounds like something they want to join, something special, like, uh, I want to be thanked. I want to know that I'm one of those people who receives every episode automatically. I want to be in that group. I want to be one of the cool kids. So I've turned a call to action into something that's no longer a request, but it's more of an opportunity that you could participate in or maybe you're already participating in. These are some ideas to help you overcome presenting too many options because too many choices cause confusion. That's number three. Number four reason why you should stop asking so much from your audience. Your audience isn't on the same step with each other. It's true that many people will binge consume podcasts they love, and I've got a perfect example of this in a podcast review I'll read in a little bit. But you can't assume that everyone in your audience is at the same place in their fandom of your podcast and their understanding of your podcast. For example, asking your audience in every episode to subscribe or follow you on social networks could be wasting time for the majority of your audience who have already done so. In fact, think about it like this. Most of the people you're talking to in your podcast are already subscribed. So why should you keep asking them to subscribe? We talked about this very recently in Podcasters Roundtable over at podcastersroundtable.com. And we talked about turning listeners 
into subscribers and different ways that you could do that. And we did talk about, is it important to ask your audience to subscribe to your podcast or should you do that in different ways? If you could only ask your audience to do one thing, what would that one thing be? It was a great conversation that we had. Ray Ortega, Dave Jackson, Paul Culligan, uh, Glenn the Geek from Horse Radio Network. We had this great conversation. Definitely check it out over at podcastersroundtable.com. I'll have a link to it in the show notes when that episode is published, which it's not yet at the time of this recording. So that's one example of something that may be unnecessary to ask your audience because they're already doing it. Now, rotating through your calls to action across separate episodes is one way that you could better reach your audience members who are on different steps. And I'm not saying one audience member is better than the other, but they might be in different steps in their interaction or their engagement with you and your podcast. Pointing them to particular funnels could be another way. Now, a funnel is a way to take someone through a specific path of content or specific path of actions leading them to a particular result. There could be some filtering involved, like if they take step one, then move them on to step two. If they take step two, then move them on to step three. But if they don't take step three, then remind them about step three. That kind of thing that's funneling, autoresponders, certain things like that that are common in the internet marketing world, but they are things you can use even for your hobby podcast. Here's an example funnel. Every podcast episode you release promotes an email list and you suggest that people join the email list. Now you give them a reason more than just so we can email you, but you give them something of value. Then when someone joins that email list, you welcome them and give them that thing that's highly valuable right away. Make that first email to them something that they will realize, wow, this is fantastic. I want to open every email from this person. Then a week after they joined your email list, you ask them to subscribe to your podcast and you give them the links there in the email. That's where you can give the separate links to say, if you're on iOS, click this. If you're on Android, click this. If you're on a desktop computer, click this. It's more actionable than saying that in your podcast. Then a week after that email, you ask them for some feedback on your podcast or ask them for a question they have or ask them for a struggle that they're facing, something that you can address and include in your podcast. A week after that, you promote one of your best episodes or resources that you have available that they can go check out. A week after that, you ask them to write a review for your podcast now that they're more engaged and connected with your content and have probably consumed more of that content. Now it's a good time for them to write a review. Because they have freshly fallen in love. They're in the honeymoon phase with your podcast right now. And then maybe a week after that, you ask them to tell someone else about your podcast. That could be through actual word of mouth, or maybe you ask them to share your podcast on social networks. And you can continue this process and you can automate this so that everyone who joins your email list goes through this exact same process. It's not like on January 1, everyone gets this email. On January 2, everyone gets that email and so on. But if someone joins on January 1, they get email 1. If they join on July 21st, they get email 1. And they go through this scheduled flow or funnel of content. This kind of funnel can be automated through autoresponders with an email service provider like MailChimp, AWeber, or ConvertKit, and I have links to each of those in the show notes if you're interested, at theaudacitypodcast.com slash stopasking. 
Or you can even implement some of this kind of funneling and automation on your website through special software plugins that show things to your visitors based on their interactions with your site. This does start to get into more internet marketing territory, so the tools are a bit more advanced and often cost. But you could also automate this on social networks very easily with things like Buffer, Social Jukebox, or Edgar. Yes, then everyone does see the same message, but it's better to then post that on a rotating schedule, kind of like you could do with calls to action in your podcast. And it's still kind of leading them through a progression. And after all, not everyone sees every social post that you publish on the internet. When you can funnel your audience, you can help them take the right action one step at a time instead of overwhelming them with things that may not matter, at least may not matter yet. So this is reason number four. Your audience isn't on the same step with each other. These are four reasons why you should stop asking your audience for so much. Number one, people need good reasons to give. Number two, you may not have given enough first. Number three, too many choices cause confusion. And number four, your audience isn't on the same step with each other. I'd love your thoughts on this. And if you want to get any of the links and resources that I mentioned in this episode, then go to the show notes for episode 283 at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash stop asking. I have a podcast review that illustrates nicely how some people do binge consume your podcast. This is from Leaf Breeze in the United States of America store of iTunes saying, everything you need to know, Daniel J. Lewis is a brilliant teacher that has created a resource for podcasters that has few equals. I discovered him as one of the guests on the podcasters roundtable. Now, look at that. They discovered me because I was on another podcast. And then they continue and have since binge listened to just about every episode I can get my iPod to hold. People do go back. If you make really good content, they do go back and listen to your older episodes. They continue in their review. In just two weeks, I've gone from noob to pro in everything from scheduling and show prep to content creation tips and technical requirements. Daniel's manner, voice, and easy-to-follow advice makes it possible for anyone to create a podcast. If you're going to start a podcast, this is where you start. Thank you for putting this out into the world, Daniel. With your help, I'm now off to start my first podcast. Well, thank you very much, Leaf Breeze. Hey, when you start your podcast, please comment on the show notes for this episode at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash stop asking. I'd love to hear that you've started your podcast. And then I'll update the show notes with a link to your podcast as well if others want to check out how your first podcast sounds. I know that can be scary, but it can also be really encouraging and a lot of fun. I really appreciate reviews like this, reviews that tell me what you're getting from the podcast. And if you already have a podcast and you write a review for the Audacity to Podcast at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash iTunes. Make sure you mention your podcast by name or include the website address of your podcast. That way I can link to it in the show notes, as well as when possible, play an excerpt from your podcast to share with my audience. And I really appreciate that. Now I've got one basic announcement to share with you. International Podcast Day, September 30th. There are different aspects of this that you need to know about. First, September 27th is the last day to submit your podcast for the International Podcast Day Gratitude Award. That's the award of 2016. It's based on how broad of a global audience you have. 
The other thing to do is to watch the International Podcast Day live stream that actually starts the day before because International Podcast Day is a global event and it hits the world in different time zones. So we'll be kicking off the International Podcast Day with a live stream at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, that's GMT minus four, on Thursday, September 29th. And then the live stream continues all the way through Friday, September 30th. And lastly, share your Podcast Day celebrations with me and with others using the hashtag Podcast Day. If you want to learn more about International Podcast Day, listen to my last episode that I did or go to internationalpodcastday.com and start the conversation out there to help the world discover podcasts, discover new passions, new communities, new ways to improve their life beyond simply listening to the radio or something that doesn't change their life or doesn't connect with them as well as podcasting can because podcasts are intimate. I've done an episode about that as well. Get the show notes and the links for this episode and everything else that I mentioned at theaudacitypodcast.com slash stop asking. So for you, I suggest that you stop asking and start giving more in your podcast. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcast.com.